This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. In collaboration with Australian Jewish News, check them out at ajn.timesofisrael.com. Also in collaboration with Arutz Sheva, israelnationalnews.com. Since Delta is on the rise and we might all be put back in our cages in a few weeks' time, we thought it would be a great idea to revisit our old friend, COVID. But this time from a different angle, the poop angle. Dr. Yair Lewis is part of the Health Ministry's National Lab for Environmental Virology, led by Dr. Itai Bar-Or, which is testing sewage across Israel to help pinpoint high-risk coronavirus infection areas. Dr. Lewis is also the VP Medical at Navina, a medical AI startup. He earned his MD from the Hebrew University and is board certified in internal medicine. He also holds a PhD in molecular biology from the Technion. We are super excited to be joined by Dr. Yair Lewis today to talk about COVID, about poop, and about maybe a few other things in uh, the medical field. So, how are you? Thanks so much for joining Hi. us. Hi, I'm, I'm great. Hi, guys. It's lo- lovely to be here. Uh, just a small correction. Yes, I, I'm yes. not part of the Central Virology Lab. Ah, okay. But I did work with them and try help them out. Okay, so you're working with them. So we'll get into that a little link. bit. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that uh, in a second. Before we get started, guys, just if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have some interest in Israel. Okay, so well, uh, Masa Israel Journey is the marketplace for long-term opportunities in Israel. Uh, you can explore your career path, you can live out your passions, and you can make a positive impact on the world. It really is a, a great uh, organization, a great opportunity. I myself was on a Masa uh, uh, program. During the pandemic, Masa also created opportunities to study and work remotely from Israel. So while you're in Israel, you can be remote. So, you know, Delta it doesn't have to be a uh, concern. You can come here. You can stay remote from wherever you'll be living and uh, work and study. Uh, you don't need to know Hebrew. You don't need to pause your life. But you do get funding if you apply. So check them out. MasaIsrael.org slash Two Nice Jewish Boys. MasaIsrael.org. T-W-O. Nice Jewish Boys. Check them out. So where do we begin? How? Okay, what wrong turn did you make in your life that you ended up <laughs> In the Ashkelon, or I don't know which city, sewage system, <laughs> yeah, so deep diving. So, so that's actually an excellent question that I've, I've asked myself a few times this year, especially since, you know, some people were, co- were calling me and, and I was speaking with them and, and I introduced myself as, naturally introduced myself as, uh, hi, the, the, the Yair from the, it's, it's Yair from the sewage. And that, that <laughs> became my, my literal title, Yair from the sewage. And you're saved in their phones, right? Yes, like and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm saved as Yair sewage in, in multiple people's phones. So uh, that is a good question. So, you know, I think in Israel and one of the great things in Israel is, you know, how everyone knows everyone. Um, and I think people have t- talked about this a lot, you know, this whole startup nation thing and, and, and all that. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the ability to, to basically within, you know, two or three degrees of separation, for, you can probably reach a lot of the people in Israel. 
um, either you went with them to the army or to school or, or to university or, or your neighbor knows them. And when this whole pandemic started in uh, last March or even a bit before that, um, a, a lot of people found themselves doing things that they normally would not be like part of their day job. Um, and I knew uh, a friend who knew a friend um, and I sort of had this uh, idea pretty early on when it we were thinking of maybe innovative ways when th th there was this whole thing, if you remember, with the swabs, there were not enough swabs. How are we going to test people? How are we going to locate uh, the geographical spread they of the virus? sent massage agents yeah, yeah. to yeah. rob swabs from... from yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and... Uh, I, I remember this thing about, you know, when I was uh, in medical school, I think, or maybe it was, no, it was, I, w I was already in residency, uh, in, I think two th 2012 or 13, um, yeah, all the children in Israel got a, a booster shot of the polio vaccine. If, if I recall correctly, I think that was a timeline. And I remember reading about that and, and they detected it through sewage. So... I was thinking this sounds like a very interesting idea. Maybe we could do this for coronavirus. Maybe we could track its spread through through the sewage, sort of pinpoint, um, you know, the, the geographic distribution and find infection clusters. And then we would only have to test specific areas. We would have enough swabs, et cetera. Um, and I sort of, I thought, okay, so I wrote down a few things. I did some homework. I did some research about this. My, my, my background is in, in, it is in molecular biology, um, but obviously nothing to do with environmental biology. Um, but I did see that in, in 2005, you know, they, when the, 2003 actually, I think, when the SARS epidemic was going on, there were some papers published later on that show that SARS can be detected through wastewater. And I was thinking, okay, so this is from the same family of viruses. Let's see what we can do here. And this network of Israelis knowing each other got me in touch with, uh, I wrote it down in a paper, such as a proposal for the... Uh, uh, a Ministry of Health, and, and a friend of mine got me in contact with uh, uh, Dr. Itai Barol. So Itai Barol, he's a key, really key figure in all, all this. He's in charge of the Environmental Surveillance Unit of the Central Virology Lab in, in Misrata Beirut. And I spoke with him, and, and, and I sort of started introducing myself and telling my idea, and he, and he was really excited. He said, listen, I've actually been trying to, to get this off the ground. Um, I had thought of this and we're trying to, to do this. I've been taking wastewater samples um, from, from Sheba and et cetera, and from, from places where we think it would be positive and trying to test it to see if we can detect it. But at that point, the Ministry of Health was very preoccupied with you know more important stuff. This sounded like a crazy far out idea. And actually they were telling him, listen, we're not going to fund you, don't do it. And, and he was just one person working with a few other collaborators in the lab. And I said, okay, great. And I sort of got into, um, let's say, like a startup mentality where you like trying to do things really fast and, and, and cheap. Um, and, and once again, this whole thing came into play where people know people. And within like a week, we, we sort of got this working group together with uh, the Central Virology Lab, Itai Baro, who was key to this, uh, Professor Ariel Kushmaro from uh, uh, Ben-Gurion University together with... Uh, uh, his, uh, his 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 postdoc student, um, uh, uh, Dr. Karin Yaniv, 
uh, and later on also Dr. Uh, Professor Rand Friedler from, from the Technion, and each one brought his own perspective. So uh, uh, Dr. Kushmaro, Professor Kushmaro was there, they are environmental biologists and they know how to track um, uh, microbes in the environment, um, but they had less experience with a specific technique of, of needed for extraction of, of, of COVID. Um, and Eran Friedler from the Technion, uh, he's uh, 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 um, an engineer who deals with the way sewer systems are built. So he brought in a lot of very important knowledge about how the you know how we can uh, utilize uh, the structure of the uh, of sewer systems and understand where where we'd want because it goes to. by neighborhood streets. Yeah. So so, so how is it actually? The, the sewage system is. I'm just going to say a word about sewage systems. So so the, the the key point here is the sewage system. It's hierarchical. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sewage only flows one way. If it's flowing the wrong way, then something You're is in wrong. trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It only flows one way, and because it's it's you know at least in Israel and, and most industrialized places, it's it's been built into place. It doesn't really change very often, and if it does, usually uh, the local company will will know about it. So you can get very detailed maps of. Uh, of, of how the system is built. And when you're sampling from a location, you know, the, the technical term is, you know what the catchment area is, okay? You know what population precisely uh, you're now representing with a sample because this manhole right here, this sewage or, uh, or, or wastewater treatment plant um, uh, takes in all the sewage from such and such area. Um, so how is it actually done? So that's a great, great question because, and I'm going to go back to polio. So polio, because uh, I'm beginning, uh, my, actually my first conversation with uh, uh, Itai, uh, I thought, okay, great. I got to the guy who actually was involved with this polio thing and that's it. I can, you know, go back and leave this and they probably have the infrastructure in place. But polio is very different. Um, polio is an enterovirus. Um, if I get too technical at any point, just... Stopping. Um, so, so polio is an enterovirus, which means that it, it lives in the intestines. It, 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 it actually can infect people. The usual route of infection for polio is, is fecal oral, is so it's called. Um, so when polio is actually in the sewer, it's a live virus. As much as a virus can be live, that's a different question. Um, so when you want to monitor polio, you need to take the wastewater and you basically do something called a plaque assay, which is you take the sample, you put it on a, a plate with cells, and you check to see if the cells are infected with polio. That's how it's done. And the sampling was also pretty small scale. So I think it was five or six locations, and primarily in, in areas in the south where the, the previous uh, sort of cluster came in through uh, uh, settlements in the Negev. Um, and so for coronavirus, that was not going to work. Coronavirus is destroyed in the intestines. Um, and, and it does not infect uh, fecal orally, at least not commonly. Um, it's respiratory. Exactly, it's a respiratory virus. Um, and when, how does it even exist? In which, like, that was a big question. And, but that was why, uh, in the beginning, the Ministry of Health were saying, listen, you're not going to be able to find this virus in wastewater. You're wasting time and money. Um, because it's an RNA virus, and RNA is, is an extremely sensitive and, 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 and environmentally labeled molecule. Our RNA uh, gets RNA destroyed. It's an RNA virus? Yeah. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. SARS, SARS, okay. yeah, 
beta coronaviruses or RNA viruses. You knew the vaccine was yeah, RNA. Yeah, the vaccine is the RNA, vaccine. but you know the virus. The is virus is, is, is an RNA virus. Yeah. So and and incidentally, my 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 PhD dealt with uh, mRNA and, and cardiac myocytes, and I <laughs> spent several years working with RNA. And, and every time you work with RNA, and any molecular biologist knows this, you basically it's like you need to say a special play, prayer, clear out everything, all the other stuff you've got in your lab, clean everything insanely because you're extremely concerned about the RNA getting degraded. Um, and that's a, it. Why? Can you explain that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so it, it has a very interesting uh, um, evolutionary reason for that, um, which is, as far as I know, at least that's how I explain it to myself. Because basically, RNA is what? RNA is a template for creating protein, right? Mm -hmm. When a virus enters a cell, how does it hijack the cell? A virus cannot, does not have ribosomes. A virus basically takes its... Um, uh, genomic material injects it into a cell and uses the host cell's um, machinery to create its proteins and which is reproduce the virus exactly so um, cells have evolved to de immediately degrade any um, um, art not artificial but you know external RNAs coming into the cell so basically, it's very, uh, it's very, it's at high risk of just disappearing and disappearing in the that's sewage. That's right, being being degraded. Yeah, being disappearing, and 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 that's disappearing one, as far as like detective uh, measures go. Yes, but also disappearing in in a sense that, that that RNA that molecule is now broken down into ribonucleic acids. It's not you RNA, won't recognize it's not it. RNA yeah. anymore, um, which is incidentally that's one of the was thought one of the it was a challenge the, the the big challenge of um gene therapy um was getting rna into cells and we actually worked at this in, in my lab a bit about developing you know trying to 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 get cardiac myocytes um to sort of regenerate after a heart attack by inserting rna for protein that, that would encode for proteins that would allow them to reproduce because normally cardiac cells don't reproduce right if there's been a heart attack some part of the heart is damaged and that's it there's a scar there but the main challenge was getting that rna into the cell and that ties in nicely with mrna vaccines because they basically found a way to get the rna into the cell without being degraded with, with their it's uh, 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 pfizer using um, BioNTech, they developed something called a lipid nanoparticle, which is a small particle made of sort of a, a, a lipid molecules, those are fat molecules. It protects, so that protects the mRNA and allows and its it, journey to the destination. Yeah, and allows it to enter the cell and, and be... Uh, it's pretty cool. And is that yeah. the, was that the main challenge of producing the vaccine? Um, I'm not an immunologist or vaccinologist, so, but I would the main challenge, um, I would guess, was, yes, getting RNA to be expressed into cells. I, I just know from my, you know, sort of small perspective on what we were trying to do in, in my laboratory, the main challenge of, of, of any uh, 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 therapy which includes uh, inserting RNA into cell, and because that, that has huge potential for many diseases, um, where the problem is either a defective protein or you're trying to get a cell to do something it doesn't normally do, like a cardiac myocyte, which is uh, uh, regenerate or reproduce. 
repair itself. So, so the but facing you guys, the challenge, the main challenge was the fact that you might take a sample of sewage, and there's no even if the entire building or the entire neighborhood is infected, you're not going to find any traces of COVID. Yeah. So let's get back because I sort of yeah. sidetracked you guys a bit. So sorry about that. But uh, <laughs> no, no, it's really interesting. So the 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 main the the idea of 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 uh, COVID monitoring through wastewater is basically to detect the RNA in the wastewater, the, the COVID RNA. And I'll just go back to what I said earlier, that's very different from just checking for polio because polio, you take the, you're actually growing, you're culturing the polio virus out of the wastewater. And here, the virus will not be cultured through the wastewater. You're trying to detect its remnants, its fragments. Mm. Um, so first of all, we weren't even sure that this is possible. So we read those papers about uh, uh, SARS um, so it sounded technically possible. Um, and then um, the first experiments were done by, by Itai, Itai Baro. Um, he took uh, uh, samples from uh, Shiba Hospital and actually from, if I recall correctly, from Dan Panorama Hotel, which I think was, uh, so to speak, a co co Malone Corona. Right, it was it. a Corona hotel where people who got infected and they didn't want them to stay with their families and infect them, They had the option to go on the state's uh, yeah, funding it, to a hotel. Was it an option? No. I think it was uh, an offer no, they could was, not refuse, it, if I recall correctly, I, uh, at, that, at, at that stage. No, if you had like a, a, an option to self-isolate in your home, in a different, oh, okay, you could maybe. have stayed. But many people preferred yeah, not to risk their families. Yeah, so it's... Yeah, so uh, um, so he, he assumed correctly that if we're going to try that, let's get some wastewater, which would be highly enriched with uh, SARS-CoV-2. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and he told me, listen, I'd be able to take this. And then th the process is basically you take the raw sewage uh, and then it's a couple of steps. And I'm not going to get too technical, but basically you need to clear out um, the solid materials out of the sewage. Um, and then you need to take the... Gross. The, Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just feel like that has to be said. Gross. Yeah, I'm, 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 I, I did. A, I'm, I'm an internal medicine physician, yeah. so it would take a lot to gross me out. That I would say maybe three, four on the gross scale out of ten. So what? Okay, now we have to ask. What's nine, ten? You know, usually when when the the poop is in the wastewater, it's it's removed from a person, so it's much less gross or intimate, or mm, you know, so. Okay. But it usually starts out within the person, so those okay. situations. I, I didn't know are, that, but yeah. <laughs> I think we got the picture. Good. <laughs> um, so, um, so, so then you take the fluid, um, and and you need to extract the RNA out of the fluid. You need to enrich the RNA for, uh, uh, with genomic material extract RNA and then take that RNA. Once you've got the RNA sample, it's basically it goes downstream into the same um, real-time PCR or quantitative PCR is where you, just like you would do for a normal swab test, where you would try to use primers to identify the specific uh, genomic material of SARS-CoV-2. But how come there were traces? Well, because because this this virus is protected by sort of it has sort of like an envelope, right? An oily, I think. That's I, right. Yeah, yeah. So that protects the uh, RNA from being totally degraded, and that's why it is possible to to identify. It's it amazing because it just goes to show 
how well built how well developed this virus is um i i think in mm, the very primal way na- nature is a hundred percent undefeated and this is just one example for it it will always find a way to evolve into the yeah. way that would be most advantageous uh, for yeah. survival evolve uh, or be engineered yeah jeff goldblum was right <laughs> yeah. jeff goldblum was right in jurassic park i guess <laughs> he yeah. said uh, yeah nature always wins Is, is that from yeah. Jurassic Park? Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Maybe, maybe I had it in my head. I just remember no, it's it. It's from Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Goldberg. Goldblum. Goldblum. Yeah. He, uh. he came up with it. <laughs> anyway, okay. So you tested the waters from the hotel. What so, did you so see? So that was like sort of a proof of concept, and, and we showed that it was actually positive. We got back uh, uh, positive results. But how uh, is it? I'm actually interested. How is it done? Like... Do you have to go into a, a like you, mm. you lift the sewer cap, you go down, you, you actually scoop it? So is there yeah, so I'll, I'll give you a bit of more insight into this as this pull you behind the curtain, so to speak. So first of all, it's a question of sampling. So when you're just taking a, a, a sample, okay, which is you're opening up the manhole and you're putting in your bucket and just pulling out water or putting in your pump and pumping out water for let's say, A minute two five ten you're getting a spot estimate and that's not very useful okay because the the flow is continuous so if you want to uh, uh, really measure the level of of any material in search you, you'd have to take a continuous sample and let me tell you and there's actually been academic research done on this part of it by the way by around Fried, Friedler um, so the uh, amount of biological material in, in sewage uh, is not equal throughout the day. So most people go to the bathroom either in the morning or at night. So it's sort of like a bimodal curve. So you need to capture all of that if you want to make sure that you're actually sampling the entire population. Um, so the way to do that is with continuous sampling. Mm. So what you do is you put in a pump, an automated pump, which is sort of triggered to... Um, a program to to take um, whichever volume of sample you've decided yeah like take 20 milli- 200 milliliters every hour or something like that then you end up with this uh, huge container that has like between six anywhere between six and 12 liters um, of, of fluid and you take that to the lab and when you get to the lab that's when you do the whole st- steps of different steps of uh, centrifugation you know to to uh, get rid of the solids and then another step that you know there's different ways to do it ultra filtration is one step dialysis is another step basically you're trying to draw out the gen- genomic biological material out of all the other chemicals and stuff and there's all sorts of technical sort of molecular biological technical problems there are inhibitors of are of of uh, of uh, um that would inhibit the real-time PCR from happening. You need to add all sorts of additive, but basically it's a, it's a series of centrifugations and other steps of adding materials to end up, at the end, you get like 50 milliliters of sample that's enriched for 20 milliliters or 10, depending on, on the protocol you did, from that huge 12 liters mm. um, of, that you started out with. And that's what you test? And that's what you put into the same, pi- same exact pipeline as a regular swap test. And ah. what happened in the first time you did it? Um, so uh, 
you know, the, the, I think the first sample Lake Tai took was from Rambam, uh, from not from Rambam, sorry, from Shiba Hospital. Um, and you know, he got a positive result. It was very interesting. I was very happy with that. And we, we then we got together and we, we thought, okay, let's lay out this sort of experiment plan where we would prove that this thing is actually efficient. Um, at that stage, we already got into discussions with uh, higher ups and uh, uh, Ministry of Health, and we got their authorization. We also, again, through different connections, we got a company called Kandu. It's an Israeli startup that monitors. They monitor, do automatic waste monitor monitoring, basically for chemical pollution mostly. But they were really cooperative and, and excited, and, and, and they helped us out with putting in automated samplers at different areas, and that was the experiment done in Ashkelon. Uh, last year, um, after which, you know, I think that was already published in, in the papers and stuff. And there were all sorts of, you know, discussion. We, we, we got the results, we analyzed them. And at some stage, we were able to actually show that, listen, we're getting results that are correlated with what we're seeing um, in terms of uh, um, morbidity, okay, with, with, with caseloads in a specific area. Um, and at that stage, uh, it already was sort of okay. Ministry of Health decided to give it some funding and add more people into it, and it's been going on uh, uh, like that since 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 then. And there was this big thing right now where it's sort of they've sort of ramped it up, um, and they uh, authorized a, a bigger project too. And there was an do. article that was published a few weeks ago. An academic paper. Academic paper. Um, yes. The, the group, our, our the, the group we work that that we work with, you know, our our group, um, we published a few papers uh, led by uh, uh, um, uh, mostly uh, Professor Kushmara uh, and Karin Yani from from lab and Itai Baro. Um, there was one actually, and it's another interesting discussion about um, how how academic publishing has changed. It's a, a, the first paper was published and uh, was not still not peer reviewed. It's just published in 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 MedArchive or BioArchive. You know, it's non. It's it's a preprint server. It already I think has like seventy citations. So it's important to to find a match between the results that you get from the test from the sewage and the actual results in the field because if they don't match up then well so I, I, I would divide it now I would divide it into two stages so the experimental phase which was basically where they were at until not too long was yeah we were trying to match it and we did a whole series of experiments between uh, October and December where we showed that there was really good correlation. Okay, we, we actually, we showed graphs where uh, we did some data analysis, we, we ran some regressions, and we showed that uh, the sewage, co sewage level of COVID correlates really well with caseload in a specific area. So once you've proven that, um, and that was not just, you know, we were not the only, far from being the only group in the world doing this. So the, the, and there are groups who are much more uh, far along the way than us. And in many countries, I would say between five and the countries already, there's a, an actual waste monitoring system already in action. And, and there have been many papers published on it that have shown this correlation. So this was not just our isolated finding of some crazy guy saying that this would correlate it's it's been quite validated with with different this papers. Is, I mean, it's ingenious if you think about it because you could you could have this waste monitoring be automated and simply, I mean, to a certain extent, and yeah. light up. You know, a, a, a red light turns on when a neighborhood is 
at high risk right. and then you can test those people right and that way you 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 kind of bypass having to put the entire country through these very restrictive moreover the problem with knowing where covid hits is that it takes time from the time you're infected to the time you show symptoms right. to the time you take a test so in your yeah and another thing is that not all people show symptoms and and what has been repeatedly shown in in, in different papers published is that you uh, wastewater monitoring has uh, the potential to sort of give you the signal of a covid spike before it becomes clinically apparent before you get this bunch of people complaining about symptoms and being tested and blah 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 you could know that like two or three days before there's actually a some another review paper published on this uh, last week and and that's the potential so you know we like If, if we maybe if we would have had this in place in Israel in in in, in March or April um, we sort of could have anticipated what was coming in in June um, because in May we would have started to see it's it's also sort of like a ground truth okay because it it it's it's it it's not it doesn't have to be connected to the amount of testing done so one of the questions now everybody's asking themselves that like what is the real you Um, you know the, 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 what is the, 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 the real chance of getting severe COVID and, and they're looking at the numbers and, and, and one of the thoughts on this is okay we're, it looks like maybe it's a bit higher than we thought but that is just because uh, you know the denominator we're dividing by is, is lower because we're not testing enough maybe so maybe there's a, a bunch of asymptomatic individuals um, that we don't know about now if you have sort of like a ground truth like wastewater monitoring you would just see a level track it over time and you would be able to actually know the actual level in the population but it, it, I mean what is this what is the saturation level that the population needs to reach in order is it mm. and I'm wondering mm. if that saturation yeah. level is like too if at that point it's too late meaning it all will already mm. have been uh, show up in other neighborhoods and spread yeah so I I, I think saturation you know it's it's like once you know about disease it becomes maybe less important important the way, like right now I don't know how important waste monitoring it, it maybe is right now just to, to gauge the, the the national spread and the levels but uh, the limit of detection is interesting like at what level would you first detect it and uh, what we had shown was between if I recall correctly depending on the place between 20 and 50 people per hundred thousand which is, is pretty good in my opinion was that like um, point five percent or even less uh, it's less it's, it's not a lot of people it's, it's pretty sensitive now there's a whole lot and and other people have shown maybe even less um it gets a bit technical but it has to do also with where you're monitoring are you monitoring a sewage line or are you monitoring sludge at a wastewater treatment plant um but so so if if that's true then If you're testing a building in Tel Aviv yeah. in, a, in Florentine like a five six story building you'd be able to detect if one person had it yeah that's right but that I don't think that is nowhere the, too high data yeah uh, <laughs> well you could go you know t- to the rest <laughs> to the woods in, in, in a different in a, yeah so uh, so, you Where could, the so you proverbial could, uh, Pope yeah does it yeah exactly you, you, you could uh, theoretically but I do not think that's really a viable you know or Uh, a use case for this I think the the most logical or, or the use case of the most the valuable use case is to monitor uh, like a population size of 50,000 100,000 get the signal and then okay you know okay 
I have maybe a rise of cases in this area, I can now use other because uh, other uh, uh, pathways to to detect where 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 it's spread. So I I want I have a really good one. Okay. okay, it's about what we talked about poop okay. property rights. Okay. So so I wanna I wanna touch on this and we joked about it before the show, but uh, I really wonder about like we we spoke about how we poop might ethics. we might talk about yeah the ethic the ethics of AI in in, in medicine mm. maybe later on, but yeah let's talk about poop ethics and and basically do you are you concerned with the with where this might lead are you asking like about cleaning the toilet yeah (laughs) yeah should you leave the seat up or down or you know no are you concerned with where this might lead uh in the sense that you know now maybe it's not viable to put a test in every building but maybe in 100 years you'll have a test Mm -hmm. in every building and the second your apartment is detected you'll be locked down or i don't know what you know what or i mean even like, if you eat unhealthy or you you'll know detect yeah. it in like, china do people have a right over their what's mm. being tested that, um, that, that's a good question but I, I would take it to to you know even a more um actually uh, uh, realistic question is you know in, in the states in some areas they test for opiate levels in wastewater because opiates do not exist in the environment. Opiate is a, it's a small chemical that can be easily detected in wastewater. And basically, they can know um, where people were, uh, uh, were, were using opiates, were using drugs, were using heroin. Um, it's being used in some prisons in the United States where they're getting, um, and, and that can be a good thing because you can say, okay, we know we have a problem of, of, of drugs coming into the prison, but you know, and, and I think, and this is true for every technology, there's always the dystopic view of that technology and, and that's always a possibility. So um, am I concerned? I'm concerned about te- technology being used for nefarious reasons um, for any technology. So, mm-hmm. so this goes for, for this technology as well. So before we move on to your other endeavors, uh, I got to ask, so what's the weirdest, like, did you dive uh, in the sewage? Yeah. <laughs> so no one actually <laughs> dives into the sewage, but I would say... What? The, Not no one. That's what they told Not me no when they... Uh, but they, t- uh, they when to they Florentine, I'll show you a few people <laughs> okay. who probably... Uh, okay, sorry to hear that. Um, I'm, 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 I'm from the suburbs. I'm from Ranana. Don't tell me all I this see. stuff. Um, so uh, the weirdest, I, I would say, was at the height, like, of the first lockdown when... And I, I think if we try to remember, people are actually, I think, a bit scared or concerned or, you know, people weren't really sure what was going on. And, like, it was a scary thing. And we went and uh, uh, I remember I went with Itai. And, oh, I, I've got to mention a, a Houdri Not doctor, Houdri Not from, from Bengaluru University, was a great collaborator on this project. He really helped me push it forward and organize it. Uh, his PhD was on also... On poop so he came he, he analyzed microbiome he's a poop professor yeah yeah he's on i think he's on his way to becoming a professor um so so i remember we went together and and we went to sample the main wastewater line of nabak which if you're trying to think back about you know april 2020 that was like one huge corona they were bringing the army in they were doing you know fencing mm-hmm. off there because and everyone was like and I remember when we went to taste the to test the way to test the wastewater, we were actually wearing these suits, and because we were not even a hundred percent sure that we would not get infected by 
uh, by tasting it, but by obviously not tasting it, but, <laughs> but, but, but testing it. Um, and I remember we, we took out this huge, you know, huge container with like 10 liters of sewage and it's basically concentrated one days of sewage from Nabok. And I was thinking, okay, this is just, hot you could have dropped right? it in iran over the and solved <laughs> two problems uh, in one i uh, think that they they had more corona than us at that uh, point okay. <laughs> uh, so, I, th so so that was uh, that was pretty strange at that, that point wow that's that's and, and like, you're, yeah. but you're wearing protective gear or i mean yeah we were wearing like these suits uh i think Actually, I think they were wearing suits. I was actually just wearing... A, I, I did not think it was infective at that point. But yeah, we were wearing masks, obviously. And oh, okay. And, and cool. Very cool. So there's a future for this technology. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think there is. And I think not only for, for COVID. I think uh, like many things that have come out of the, the pandemic, I think some technologies that may have started out as COVID are going to find use cases for, for other stuff as well. But cool. I want to go back one second and then we can maybe move on to the issue of ethics. Because my, my question is, is it, do you think that it is, and this might be, this is kind of out of your field, but it's more of a political question, but do you feel that it is ethical to test people's waste without their consent, right? Uh, so I think it it depends on, and, and that would be debatable, what the catchment size would be. So, because, and let's take it as extreme, if we're taking out a, a sample from the Shaftan, okay, Shaftan is the, the big wastewater treatment plant that takes the wastewater of, I think, one or two million people. Would I don't think anyone would claim that that is unethical because you're pinpointing somebody. On the other hand, let's take it to the other extreme, um, a person lives by himself in a villa and you test his wastewater coming out of, plant, of, of his house, obviously that might sound problematic and mm -hmm. i would say it is problematic so where does you know the border lie um I, hard to say uh, it's 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 hard to tell um as i said i think uh, i think you know we should probably focus on on testing cities or, or areas of about fifty thousand, hundred thousand people and to me i i do not feel that's an invasion the chinese the will probably take this technology and they put it in every apartment and <laughs> just stick yeah, it to your butt they, yeah <laughs> <laughs> They, they may, they may have direct. already done that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they actually did. There was, a, there was an article about anal swabs in... Uh, is, it, is it real? In uh, China. There Listen, was a BBC I, as, article. As I said, I come from internal medicine, so yeah. anal swabs are not any something. We do it yeah. for every patient who comes into China. Yeah, but you don't force them to do it. Um, no, we yeah. do not force them. Yeah. So uh, on a very <laughs> firm segue... AI. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to segue from that. Yes. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but your startup, which is name, its name again is uh, Navina. Navina, you do AI, medicine AI. Yeah. yeah. Medical AI. Medical AI. Medical AI. Medical AI. So tell us a little bit about that. You guys help caregiver, care uh, providers. So, so, so what Navina does? Uh, Navina was founded by by Renan Chao, who came out of the of doing a big AI project in, in the military, and, and 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 they decided they they wanted to do it in in medicine, which I think is commendable because you know you've probably been reading the papers about NSO or all the cyber stuff, and some of it is nefarious. But they it could have been much easier for them to go into that. They decided they want to do something. Um, useful to to, to uh, humanity, um, and again, as in everything in Israel, a, a mutual friend got me connected with them. So I came in as a doctor to the company, and what we do is, 
um, we take a medical record and we generate a summary of the record automatically um, using AI and um, putting out recommendations for the doctor for specific things he needs to look out for in, in, in the specific visit. So what kind of things might surface and how, how exactly, I mean, you can't maybe give away the algorithm, but how exactly would the AI even differentiate between what's important and what's not important? Um, well, it has to do with the way the algorithms are, are trained, obviously. Um, and we're doing it for, for family uh, doctors. Um, BM, and, and I think that the best way to explain it, to, to sort of give an example is um, perhaps you've you've been in a situation where you're going to see a doctor and you tell him, listen, I, I, I have a abdominal pain or chest pain or, or I have a cough. And so he's listening to you, but then you say, okay, I had this thing three years ago, but then he's not listening to you anymore because he's probably turning away to his computer looking for it. And then you say, yeah, I had an ultrasound and I went to a gastroenterologist. His um, attention to you has now probably dropped to zero because he's looking for those exams to see what was done and try and understand it. And why does that happen? And as a doctor, I've been on the other side. That happens because you don't have time to be a data miner on the electronic medical record. You don't have time to collect that information mm -hmm. before the visit. And what our system does is instead of, and, and I have this thought many times as a doctor, I was spending too much time at the computer and not enough time listening to, to the patient. And I thought wouldn't it be great if instead of me just going through different menus and looking for information, and which can take anywhere between 10, 15, 20 minutes, even for complex patients. If I can get a summary that would be- Of the option, of most probable and- That's already diagno the, the, the actual diagnostic step, but I'm just speaking about collecting the information and organizing it logically. Mm. Um, and what a system does is it does it automatically and then in between you know, 30 and 60 seconds, you can read everything you need to know about the patient and just devote your whole um, attention to him. Plus you're not missing anything that, and that would have been perhaps missed because our system pops it so, up. So what, you can write abdominal pain and then get all the relevant things that relate to the Even abdominal yeah, pain? Yeah, so eventually, yes, that, that's what we're, we're right. aiming for. That's what we're aiming for. I have for. a guess at how the algorithm works. You can yeah. wink twice if I'm correct, but you had the algorithm watch all the seasons of House MD. <laughs> it's always an autoimmune disease it's lupus it's lupus that, that would have been a very simple algorithm yeah. not need a, a startup but, but but you're asking about ethics of, of poop so you know medical ai brings in interesting ethical questions How so? because you know first of all um who is responsible okay so if a hospital is using an ai that's designed to detect uh, some medical condition automatically and then the ai fails and the patient dies who's responsible the doctor because he did not detect the the the, the disease or whoever implemented that ai system um another thing is that and this is a really big and and real issue is is bias okay within ai systems um, and AI can be trained, let's say, on a certain data set, can be trained on a data set of images taken only from white patients. Um, and then it would fail on black patients. Why? Because it was trained to detect melanoma on white skin. But the patient sample they use, and these are real things. Um, that's a really big issue. Mm -hmm. It could be trained, um, basically, what is AI or machine learning? It's basically pattern recognition and classification by, by the computer. So it could be trained to detect some medical condition, um, but basically it was using features that are sort of orthogonal to the condition um, and it would fail on a different population. So it, was, it, it would identify 
let's say white people or people from higher socioeconomic status with that condition more often than it would detect other people from from lower so socioeconomic uh, uh, status but wouldn't these uh, biases and these uh these preconceived notions and all i mean it, it, that's that's what the human mind does that's right that's right and because humans are designing ai and but since for, we, for now yeah uh, <laughs> but, until we get skynet but um so, so what a big thing I think is 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 for everyone who's who's dealing with with this designing AI be to eliminate that. We're trying to use technology, and this you know hocks back to what I said a few minutes earlier. I think technology always has the uh, option of being nefarious or, or or less useful for society, and 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 humans will decide the way um, it will be used for. And these things are 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 aren't you know they do not have to happen that way. Mm -hmm. If you build your data set in a way that's balanced, then you would not have these these biases. So it's a, it's an inter a really interesting issue. I know from my end that there's also, I mean, in computer vision, there's serious issues with the black versus that's white. That's right. Uh, it's very hard to detect uh, 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 and recognize a black face as opposed to a white face um, because the models are trained mostly on white and also certain simple physical uh, facts cause it, the fact that uh, in the dark, for example, or if there's less light, then black reflects less light. And that's yeah. It's not a PC thing to say, Eitan. Um, yeah. yeah. But, 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 uh, but if, if, if the designer is aware of that, um, maybe it can be designed human, around. Designed around, use a different sensor. Okay, use yeah. maybe infrared to, to detect more or, or different wavelengths. A very good algorithm... I can't help but think about Minority Report because if you implemented this algorithm within Google phones mm -hmm. or within Apple phones, so theoretically your doctor could could know you have a problem before you even know it because j you just Google something that you're feeling or said it to yeah. your friend and your doctor, the algorithm will calculate it and tell your doctor, listen, your patient has a problem and he'll know even before you feel yeah. anything. Uh, th that ties in, I, I agree, that ties into to, to another point. I think medical AI is realizing that um, it should be used to augment doctors and not try to replace them at this point. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that that's, if w to tie into what you're saying, it would suggest and the end decision would be done by the doctor. You would take in all the information and decide it would not be a black box deciding something about someone's future and i think rightfully so that's what sort of freaks people out and concerns them and i would be too um, but you know that would be the case you know I, I can't help but think about the the chess computers when i was growing up there was this i remember i, I yeah. used to go to chess tournaments and play chess and uh, the the greatest chess computer was the, deep blue yeah and it beat, which, it beat gary kasparov right? yes but but, like Ka but kasparov beat it originally or beat the previous computer and then ev eventually deep blue beat kasparov and now i never even thought about this because i hadn't played chess for years and I mean, I played, but like you know, just as a for fun. And I, I looked back. I look now at this at the situation, and there are chess computers today that not a single human being on Earth can beat. Yeah. Uh, they're so far beyond our capability. They right. nobody can play them. I mean, they're just not even beatable. Yeah. So eventually, maybe it will reach that point where um, AI is. Yeah, but I, and I think at that point. A medicine would be able to transition back into, you know, the more empathetic part, the 
being empathetic to the patient, be caring for the patient. Okay, so you've got an AI just assisting you, maybe even making decisions for you. But I think the, and, and that ties into what you're talking about, what your company does. I, I think that that human connection between um, um, doctor and patient can be strengthened by AI mm -hmm. if taken to the right direction. So taking that stuff that, you know, that maybe pattern recognition stuff that computers are good at and allowing the, even they're much better at that than, than humans, but allowing the human to do the thing that he is much better at it, at least in the mm -hmm. foreseeable future for, uh, uh, which is empathy, which is care, which is understanding the patient, guiding him through the, that health journey. Yeah. Uh, that's the way I see the hopeful, you know, the hopeful future. future. Of, of, of AI until they in, get better at, at, yeah, at empathizing um, and then uh, I'm probably going to be dead by that so, <laughs> yeah, so not, we don't need to worry about it um, thank you so much for coming it was really sure. really interesting yeah and, yeah, yeah uh, definitely we, have to, we can do thank a whole other episode <laughs> about uh, AI and medicine before we go we are sponsored by Masai Israel are, you're on social media right I, I on Twitter on, I, I am on Twitter that was a big change for me this year yeah. oh okay so how can people find you um google yeah you're lewis on twitter i guess okay it's another another type of sewage <laughs> you've been sampling yeah, it was an interesting experience yeah um so guys check out i think you also tweet in english right i i yeah. do tweet mostly in yeah you're lewis yeah. In, in on twitter uh, and if you're in the medical field apparently dr yeah lewis published uh five papers you said this <laughs> year was, i was a part of a team part of a few, part of few papers, yeah. um uh, so check those out we're sponsored by Massa. Check them out, massaisrael.com slash two nice Jewish boys. Thank you yes. so much, Massa, for sponsoring this episode. Also, Arut Sheva. Yes, israelnationalnews.com. Check them out. Uh, they also have a Facebook page, Arut Sheva, or their website, israelnationalnews.com. And, of course, Australian Jewish News, ajn.timesofisrael.com. And show some love to our Australian brothers and sisters yeah, yeah. under For lockdown. Yeah, the Australian Jewish perspective. And, guys, we do this on our free time. So if you want to help us out, go to 2njb.com slash donate uh, and help us out. Yeah, thank yeah, you thank so, you. so much. Really, really. Thank you. It was lovely. Bye, Bye guys. guys.